Welcome back to the show. Julian Stoop sitting in for Sad Memories. Time to talk the world game and in particular the Matildas v France uh, tomorrow night. So the first quarter final is underway uh, over in New Zealand. Uh, literally just started three minutes in Spain, nil the Netherlands, nil later on uh, today. It's Japan versus Sweden. And then tomorrow the remaining two quarter finals, of course, the Matildas v France and England v Colombia. So one of the big questions has been Sam Kerr. Does she start or do they bring her off the bench again? Most people are saying uh, start her. Others have said, you know, maybe not. Maybe the best weapon is off the bench. But uh, Ian Wright, uh, Arsenal legend, England legend, out here uh, as an ambassador for FIFA at the Women's World Cup. And uh, he was asked that question earlier in the week about whether Sam Kerr should start or not. Well, without Sam, um, is there a danger that she might disrupt things or is she so world-class? Are you serious? Throw her straight in. Are you serious? We're talking about the best number nine in the world. It doesn't matter, you know, with all due respect to whoever's playing up front. Um, you know, Sam Kerr's fit, she's played. And if I was a manager, she plays. You know, they've done brilliantly to get themselves into this situation because they know that at some stage, Sam Kerr's going to be fit and she's coming straight into the team. This team know that. This team want that because they know that if it gets to a stage where it's on the line, she's going to deliver. So... No, you know what I mean? It's, it's not even, I can't even get into the realms of that question. If you wanted to time it where you can get your team to this level um, and then you can bring in a world-class striker, half-chance taker, then it's working out perfectly for Australia at the minute. So Anne Wright's made it pretty clear that uh, she should be starting. Let's get the thoughts of Robbie Thompson. Now, of course, you can hear the quarterfinal live on SEN tomorrow thanks to our uh, FIFA Women's World Cup Partner, our update partner is Speed Gas. Is gas critical to your business? Call Speed Gas. And of course, it's a broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA Women's World Cup. As I welcome in uh, football commentator Robbie Thompson. Hello, Robbie. G'day, Jules. How's it going? Very well. Uh, it is the question on everyone's lips. Uh, your thoughts. Will she and should Sam Kerr start against the French? My, my thoughts are 100% aligned with the great Ian Wright. I don't see how there can be any confusion or any question in this in this topic whatsoever. It's in, and just to sort of add another layer to it, it's like Argentina, Lionel Messi for the first three games of the World Cup. Are you going to bring Messi back in? Because that's what Sam Kerr is. Sam Kerr is arguably the best player in the world, let alone the best striker in the world. So she comes into the side, and and there's no thought of disrupting or or putting noses out of joint or possibly you know. Uh, perturbing the, the way we've been playing because we play every single match we can with Sam Kerr up front. She plays every game that, that we play normally if she's not injured and that's the way we play. We, you don't deprive yourself of the best striker in world football and, and when we get into the quarterfinals and we're at this stage of the competition, it's going to be decided on the finest of margins. And what if our best chance falls to one of our players in the third minute? or the ninth minute, or the 20th minute of the match, and Sam Kerr's not on the field. And she's a player that can turn that, because we're not going to have 100 chances. Mm. We're not playing, you know, a, an Asian qualifying game against a minnow. This is France, world number five, in a quarterfinal. After that, it could be England. You want Sam Kerr on the pitch, because you don't know at what moment you're going to have that opportunity to win the game. Whose place in the starting lineup do you think she takes? That's the tough one. There, now, there's a question. <laughs> First one easy, this one not so easy. <laughs> exactly, because this, this now comes down to a whole lot of parameters. Um, 
and you have to look at the opponent as well. France are excellent at holding the ball. France are excellent attacking down the left-hand side, um, less so down the right-hand side, where we've been playing with Kat, Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford the last, the last two and a half matches. And Caitlin Ford down that side is very dangerous. Is that something we can exploit, which would mean that we take out either Mary Fowler or Emily Van Egmont mm. from those central two roles to make place for Sam? But if that's not the way the tactics decide to go, you could bring Ford back into the middle to play just behind Sam Kerr, which is how we were playing in the lead-up to the World Cup, and it was operating very well. We beat England 2-0 in England with, uh, with Ford just behind Kerr, with uh, Rasso and, and Vine on the wings. So, you know, they're, they're the questions. That's where the coach will earn his, his big bucks. I don't think it's in deciding whether Sam Kerr will play. I think it's deciding who out of you know, Fowler or Van Egmond, because they're the obvious ones that will make way, and then what the formation will be and whether Courtney Vine gets to throw her hat back into the ring or how. But that's that's the $64 million question. As you mentioned, France are a fantastic side, number five in the world. Now, we did beat them in a friendly in the build-up. I don't know how much you read uh, into that. Just give us a, an idea of a, the biggest dangers in this French side and maybe a couple of names that uh, for those that don't follow it that closely need to look out for in this French team. Okay. Well, there are a number of dangerous players in this side. First of all is their captain and the central defender. She's one meter 87. She's the tallest player in the competition. Wendy Renard. She wears the number three shirt. Um, She scored 35 international goals. I think nine of her last 12 goals have all been headers. So for set pieces, they have very good delivery, and she is very, very dangerous. That's a huge role now for maybe Sam Kerr defensively, because she's probably our best header of the football defensively as well as, as offensively. Or maybe, you know, Claire Hunt or Alana Kennedy will get the job, but that's a huge job. And then up front, they have, they have a very powerful striker who scored four goals in the last two games, Caddy Diani who's just moved from PSG to Olympic Lyonnais. And then they have a very clever and experienced striker, their all-time leading scorer, Eugenie Lussomer, who's got 92 international goals now, um, compared to Sam, who has 63. So there's the, there's the comparison. We're talking hugely experienced players, um, and they're probably the three dangers. Otherwise, they're, they're a very solid outfit as well. It's going to be tough. How do you see the game sort of the style of the game playing out? Is it one where France will have the majority of possession? How do you sort of see it playing out? Yeah, I I think France will dominate the ball, um, hopefully not creating as many chances in that opening 20 minutes as Denmark did, because I think they caught us a little bit by surprise and probably gave, you know, maybe give France a little indication of of how how, how to exploit any spaces. It took us a little bit of a little bit of time to get, to get back on track in that one. But otherwise, yeah, I think they will have the ball. We will sit a little deeper. We will try and not give their wingers any space at all. And we will try and hit on the counter-attack like we did, get the ball early to Mary Fowler um, and then look ahead to to Sam Kerr, to Caitlin Ford, to Hayley Rasso in those that three-pronged, you know, seriously three-pronged attack um, and, and see how we go from there on in transition play. The danger with playing transition play is that you have to be clinical, like we were against Denmark. The, the Caitlin Ford finish was, was superb. It was our first real chance of the match, and we took it, and it just ripped the heart out of Denmark. 
we have to do that again against the French. You mentioned Mary Fowler there. We're speaking to football commentator Robbie Thompson, just 20 years of age. I can't remember who it was, but there was a former Matilda during the week that says she believes that she could be a better player potentially than Sam Kerr. I mean, it's, it does seem the sky is the limit for Mary Fowler. Yeah, absolutely. She's got a, fan, a fantastic story as well. She was at the last World Cup, didn't play. She was the youngest player at the World Cup at just not even 16 years of age. Um, and now she's reaping the rewards of that experience, if you like, of, of four years ago when she was just a, a school kid, learnt, still learning her trade. She's played in France. She knows the French players very well. She plays in England now, where she has struggled a little bit for game time. But we, we tend to forget that she is, like you say, only 20 years of age. Technically, and in terms of, of talent, I would tend to agree that she does have perhaps a higher ceiling than Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr is an incredible competitor. It's, it's like trying to compare, you know, Lionel Messi to Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Sam Kerr is Cristiano Ronaldo. She's powerful. She's good in the air. She's ruthless and she's clinical. Mary Fowler is a bit more Lionel Messi. She's a dribbler. She turns. She can produce the unexpected. She's got great vision. She's more of a passer than Sam is. So, look, it depends on what you like and if you love goals or you love passing football. But, but there's no doubt in, in Mary Fowler, Australia have a gem and a leader of the Matildas for the next decade. Robbie, as you're well aware in Australia, there is code wars. There's a lot of football codes. And I reckon you could count on one finger the amount of times that the AFL has uh, helped out football. But we're seeing it this week. Two games have been the start times are pushed back. There's big screens inside the stadiums before these games that will play the Matildas. I mean, I guess those inside football wouldn't be surprised at the impact this World Cup is having in this country right now. But uh, has any of it surprised you with how big it's been, how big the TV ratings have been, the, the turnouts at the live sites? Or did you think if the Matildas got going, this is what would happen? I hope so. Honestly, I thought, you know, this is the first time we've had an event this big in Australia since the Olympics in 2000. And they were, they were unforgettable yep. for people. It, this is a sport that can bring the world to Australia. This is a, a sport that can take Australians to the rest of the world. Our, our most famous sports people in the rest of the world, when you talk to people overseas, they're Mark Viduka, they're Tim Cahill, they're, they're Harry Kuehl, they're Sam Kerr. They're not, uh, you know, an AFL player or a rugby league player. That's just the way it is. So when the world comes to Australia for football and people see quality football, because the quality of this tournament and the production and, and everything about it has been superb, the atmosphere has been brilliant. And I think Australians were just waiting for this moment to, to get behind. Now, what the legacy of that will be, and hopefully, mm. you know, football can get, a, can get its foot in the door in, in, in the code wars, as you say. I, I, if I was a little bit uh, mischievous, I'd say that the AFL were worried that if fans couldn't stay and watch the Matildas, they might not go and watch their, their AFL match. So perhaps they're ensuring that, that the fans that want to go to both get both and don't choose the Matildas over a, over an AFL match. Is that a, is that a possibility? Uh, maybe. Or oh, you heard Matthew Nix, the Adelaide coach, say he'd probably rather be watching the Matildas and uh, he's coaching uh, his team up against <laughs> Brisbane tomorrow night. Maybe, maybe. Uh, what's your tip? Will the Matildas get through or how are you feeling about the match? Yeah, I think the Matildas, I think they'll have to ride their luck a little bit. It's going to be a very stern test, a much sterner test than Canada or Denmark were much more in the realms of Nigeria in terms of physicality. Um, add to that a certain tactical 
maturity that Nigeria certainly have, but their preparations were so uh, tumultuous that I don't think that we saw probably even the best of Nigeria. I think we, they could have been even better. But France have all of that. France are on song. Um, but if we take our chances, we can go through and we've shown that we can be clinical. We can show that when confidence is there, we can do it. And I, I think we can. I think we can do it. I'd love to see us go through and take on either England or Colombia in the semifinals. And, but from now on, when you've got eight teams left in the competition, it's the same in the Champions League. It's the same at the Men's World Cup. When you've got eight teams left, you're talking about the best mm. eight teams in the world at this moment. Any of them can win it. Quick one before I let you go. Uh, English Premier League starts this weekend. The big story of the off-season has been Harry Kane. The last 24 hours, Bayern Munich and Tottenham have agreed a fee. Initial reporting saying he was still going to stay. Now it appears like he is going to join Bayern Munich on a four-year deal. Ant Postatoglu has been pretty cool and calm when asked about it the whole way through. But now that it appears that Harry is leaving, how would he be feeling about it? Uh, I'm sure he would prefer to have Harry Kane in his side. England's all-time leading goal scorer is not not to be not to be sniffed at, and it's certainly what what the best thing about Harry Kane is, apart from his goals, is how he brings everyone else into the team. How mm-hmm. he's always been a Tottenham player through and through. Um, he came through the ranks, and and for England as well, he brings the other players in into play. So look, that's going to leave a hole. Make no make no mistake about it. But Ange is a genius. Ange is a tactical genius. The rest of the world is seeing what we have known for, for, for decades now in Australia. And um, if there's anyone who's going to be able to cope with that loss, uh, it's Ange. One thing I will say, however, is that all this talk that's been going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards, I suspect this deal was done and on the table and everyone agreed to it and everyone knew it was going to happen weeks ago. It's just uh, they're a little... I's that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed. But I think that basically everyone that needed to know knew that this was going through. And Ange won't be surprised to hear that it was going through. Ange has lots of experience. He's been here before. He's seen it all before. He has. And uh, as a Spurs fan, I hope he does a fantastic job. Uh, Robbie, thanks as, as always. It's always great to get your insights. And uh, as you say, we're down to the business end. The eight best teams left. And uh, let's hope the Matildas could be in the final four. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Fantastic, Jules. Go the Tillies. Exactly right. And just watching the Spain-Netherlands uh, game, Spain have hit the post twice in the space of two seconds. Save from the keeper, rebounds back off the post to a Spanish player who hits the post from about five yards out. So uh, just hanging on there, the Netherlands, nil-nil after 17 minutes. Our FIFA Women's World Cup update partner is Speedgas. Is your business having trouble with gas bottle deliveries? For reliable deliveries, call Speedgas Gas on 1300 Gas Now. Broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Melbourne's weather today, cloudy, top of 16 for City Power, supplying power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs.